Welcome to Bush's Board Game Thing, the weekly podcast about board games, or kind of more about the chat you end up having when you're all sat around the table playing board games. Each week we explore a different theme of this amazing hobby and what a gift your imagination is during these weird times of confinement. As ever, I'm joined by Brian, who's over there in what appears to be a dressing gown. Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. And we've got Jess over there in her bedroom, kimono in the background, and not only that, what appears to be a feather boa in the background as well, hanging on the handle of your door. Is that a feather boa? No, that is a lay. You know, those things you get in Hawaii. Uh, if you want to get in touch with this show, we'd love to hear from you. We love all of your messages. On Instagram, you can find us, at Board Game Thing. Just a couple of quick things to deal with before we get cracking on this episode. Uh, thank you to Mostly CG, who sent us an amazing YouTube video of how uh, they have turned Mousetrap, the board game that we dealt with in our very first episode of Board Game Thing, uh, he's made it himself, or herself, I'm not too sure, out of brass and metal. What do we think of that? Yeah. The video's amazing. Really cool. Um, hello to Adeli, who's got in touch as well, and she sent us an amazing photo of her, her card game collection. She has 52 different versions of Uno, the card game. What 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 variations? Apparently, are there's there? loads of different variations. You play Uno with your kids, don't you, Brian? Do you play Uno? I've never played I it. I do. Before. I'll tell you. We don't often. We've got the we've got the Uno Extreme, uh, which Extreme. is that's the one where you get a deck of cards and it's in like a little I don't know like a, how you describe it a caddy, and part of it is mm. some of the cards where you have to press the button, and you press the button and nothing might happen, or one card might get spat out, or fifteen. Oh, wow. And that's the that's the jeopardy of it. It's like Russian roulette, but with Uno. Adds a different kind of twist to it as well, doesn't it, as well? Uh, quite a few people have been getting in touch about the fact that, um, like a kingpin at the start of uh, last week's episode, Jess was vaping and uh, covering the camera here on Zoom video chat in a cloud of smoke, <laughs> uh, like something from like Pablo Escobar in many ways. Uh, but you just <laughs> just before we started recording, Jess, you just said that you had a bit of bad news this morning. You've been in a bit of a mood. Why is that? So the vape broke last night, just before I'm a celebrity. The vape broke, but... <laughs> It's been fixed now, so I'm not as tetchy as I was this morning, which is good. Well, listen, let's get down to business. This week's episode is all about science fiction board games, board games about space and stars and aliens and outer worlds and planets. And um, Brian, you should be uh, particularly well um, equipped to deal with this and talk about it because you're the only one out of the three of us uh, that has been to a sci-fi convention. You went to a Star Star Trek convention. Tell everyone about that. Whoa, whoa. Come on now. What? Why are you you dropping this? I'm just, I thought, let's get this out of the way at the beginning. I I did not agree to this. I did not agree to this. Okay, fine. I I love Star Trek, right? I'm a big Star Trek fan. And one of my friends, Adrian, is also a big Star Trek fan. And he was like, do you know, I'd love to go to a convention once just to see... Just to see just what to see. goes on. A convention like, curious, is that what that's, that's called? Yeah, convention yeah, curious. convention yeah. curious. And I was like, oh, are you sure? And he was like, well, I don't know. What's the worst that can happen? The tickets weren't that expensive. It was at London's Excel Centre, you know, the ones, the, that big exhibition hall. And mm. and I just thought, oh, yeah, sod it, I'll go. I'll see what happens. Yeah, just, just for fun, just because there might be interesting stuff there. Uh, I, I went there. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> Look at Jess's face, just horrified. <laughs> and and on the DLR on the way there, I was just saying to him, "This, yeah, this is a mistake. This is a terrible <laughs> mistake. This is a terrible." And I'm not judging people that go to conventions. It no, was, no, it no, was no. just It's just not for me. And I was, 
we got there. I think I left after half an hour. I just, it was... It, really? Yeah, it was... I don't know what it was. It was, the, it was. Maybe it was the costumes. If you'd have got dressed up as a Klingon, do you think you would have felt a bit better? Although I'd love to see you walking through Tottenham dressed as a Klingon <laughs> later on in the evening. One thing I wanted to start with, with is this. I don't know if anyone listening to this now has the same kind of experience, but I've always found in my entire time of being into board games and playing board games that sci-fi board games are the toughest sell for some reason. So, like, Jess, say if someone's trying to get you to play a board game and they pick something that's to do with planets and lasers and aliens, is, is that a tough sell for you? Is, is it hard to get you to play games like that? And why is that the case? Yeah, it's really hard to get me to play games like that. Look, I'm not saying sci-fi is rubbish because it's obviously carefully, good. Yeah. Tread carefully. <laughs> Tread carefully. Because it's obviously good because, like, loads of people like it. I'm just more of a... I'm a bit more of a real life person. That's not. I just. I don't want people to be angry with me, but like, I'm just not that into sci-fi. I like real life things. I like people that I can relate to and stuff. So yeah, a board game that's to do with sci-fi would be a hard sell for so me. So it must be very weird for you to have your photograph taken with Cho- Chewbacca, who obviously, as far as you're <laughs> concerned, it fits into that not real life category. My friend George, who used to work with at a radio station in Bristol, wouldn't watch anything that couldn't have happened. Yeah, I kind of Which get I think that, is what, what a rule to apply to pop pop culture in general. If if it couldn't have happened, he's not going to watch it. If you have weird rules in your life that you adhere to, uh, let us know at board game thing. Uh, Jess, let's just start by asking you what's your favourite sci-fi film, just to see the credentials here with this. Then in that case, oh, do you know what I really like, and I don't know if it's sci-fi. I quite like Deep Impact. Okay, is that a sci-fi film? <laughs> um, Brian, what's your favourite sci-fi movie? Favourite sci-fi movie of a lot. Let's have it. Go on. Um, I would have to say Prospect, which is uh, a sort of... I know this sounds... I'm in jest territory here, like going for the indie film. Oh, it was yeah, an indie okay. film that came out about two years ago, would you say, to uh, Andy? Two years yeah, ago? Yeah, about two years ago. It's a great and it's film. About, it's about a mining family, who, uh, a father and daughter, who go on to this... Um, it's basically a bit like Treasure Island, I would say, isn't it? Um, they go to this uh, planet to mine, and they've got a certain amount of time before they get... Mining again, n- another drilling yeah, thing. N- nefarious character over the, after them. It's really good. I, I can't recommend it enough. Prospect. I'm going to go for Moon. You know the one that was directed by David Bowie's son? Oh. Steve Bowie. Steve Bowie, isn't it? Yeah, Stevie Bowie. Little Stevie Bowie. <laughs> it's a great film. It's a very bizarre film. I'm not even going to try and explain the plot, but it's... Um, what's his name? I, I Sometimes I feel uh, Duncan like... Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. No, but what's, what's the name of his the actor in it? In, uh, uh, Sam Rockwell. That's it. It's a fantastic movie. There's like loads of... Uh, uh, replicants of him start turning up on this moon base mysteriously and it's one of the weirdest films but brilliant film so speaking of the future right let's think about the future for a second before we get into some games about the future what in your mind will the future look like Brian any stuff that it will be in the future that you, you would like to see appear in inventions and stuff like that or what's your idea of what it would be like so Star Trek right yep. big fan of Star Trek transportation beaming to and fro Right. Imagine a world, right? Bear with me here, with no toilets. <laughs> so you'd beam, you'd beam it out of you. Just beam it out of you. Bush's board game thing. Well, let's start with our first game then. We played this a couple of weeks ago now, channeling some pure sci-fi movie nostalgia. Uh, we had a little crack at Back to the Future Dice Through Time, made by Ravensburger, who are the company that made the Jaws game that we love so much in one of the earlier episodes. And this is us trying to get to grips with the game. We're all working on the same team here. This is yet another game where uh, you don't start by rolling the dice, you start with some sort of quirky thing and... Uh... 
It's actually quite depressing because uh, you have to start by who, who has travelled the most through time, i.e. your age. Andy, unfortunately, is the oldest. All right, Andy? Yeah, that's, uh, what a way to rub it in. Thanks, guys. I'm the second oldest and uh, Jess is the uh, youngest. This is one of the first games we've played that's a cooperative game, which is a bit weird because normally my MO is getting inside their heads uh, and causing them to absolutely F it when it comes to moving around. But now we've got to work together. So what do we think about working together, guys? Yeah, I don't really like it because I feel like you and I, Brian, don't quite have the same vibe, whereas I feel like me and Bush do. I, I don't know if we're going to go on. We're out of time, literally, because the out-of-time marker is finished. Although it's a team game, this is my favourite bit of the game, where we get to do a bit of recriminations about who was at fault. I'm solely placing the blame on Jess. Do you know what? Usually I would get annoyed at Brian, but I actually kind of think he's right. I mean... Jess did admit a couple of minutes ago, right near the end of the game, she's got absolutely no idea what's going on. Which was yeah, And that explains yeah. some of her, frankly, <laughs> baffling decisions. So imagine uh, me, Brian and Jess's little faces. Well, maybe we're all wearing that um, Mickey Mouse T-shirt. We've all just faded out. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jess. Like got no that. left arm now. So... I would say listening to that, and I don't mean this in a bad way between the three of us, I don't, I don't think we work very well together. That's our first game where we've all been on the kind of the same team and we were, we were pretty useless, weren't we, to be honest with you? Which, which in a way is the trope of many sci-fi films. You know, they're on, you're on board a ship, you're with crewmates that you're vastly unsuited to be with yeah. and you're always arguing and one of you always wants to go off on his own and one of you doesn't pull their weight. Jess, I'm talking about you. I pulled my weight. I mean, I wasn't really sure what was going on, if I'm honest. I mean, I mean, it's apparent that none of us really did. But That's a good point. I don't think at any point, even when we finished it, I don't think we kind of knew what was going on at any point at all, really, to be honest with you. Bush does this hilarious thing when we play board games. He always reads the rules out. Always. I'm the rules guy. I feel guy. so sorry for him. Yeah, because he, he goes and he sits there and me and Brian are like having a cup of tea, like not paying attention. And Bush will like go through the game and read all the rules and be like, right, guys, this is how you play it. And then he'll teach us really quickly and we'll be like, great, thank you so much. And with this one, he was so confidently doing things. <laughs> and then me and Brian were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Actually, that doesn't make any sense. You were just, you were doing that thing where you were like, if I'm confident, they'll just believe it. Just say it with <laughs> twice as much convic conviction. It really reminded me, this is a bit of a weird Simpsons re uh, reference, but do you remember when Homer Simpson is trying to have the witness relocation project uh, explained to yes. him by the FBI? It was a little yes. bit like that. You two just look at me like dead-eyed. It was quite confusing though. Bearing in mind, like some of the some of the games I play are really quite complicated games, I would say. Like real, like nerdy, complicated mm. board games. I had trouble getting my head around this one. I'll be honest with you. There was bits where there was like a computing error in your head and you kept sort of just going, hang on a minute. Hang on, no, no, hang on. Hang on a minute. No, hang on. Hang on. And then you just look intently at the instructions for like five minutes and then you like I don't really know. I don't really know. But it, it, I think it probably, this is what I worry about sometimes with games, that they, it probably trades a bit on the nostalgia aspect. So I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm going to get that. It's, it's back to the future. But yeah. it was, I think we, we were getting to grips with it by the end. And it was the, the fun aspect of it was the co-op part of it, the fact that you were all playing together. I do like the games where you roll a load of dice. I think they call them like bucket of dice games where you chuck a load of dice. And, and uh, Back to the Future has got that in spades. So check that one out. You can get it on the uh, Zatu website. Maybe you'll have a uh, better experience with getting the grips with the rules than we did. Love to hear from anyone actually as well. If you've ever just completely given up on a game because you, you fundamentally don't understand it, let us know at board game thing and let's also talk about the other game that we tried which is a bit of a weird one I, mean, I, I'm, I collect kind of unusual board games I love weird games that have limited print runs that are hard to get hold of I'm always looking through second hand shops and all that kind of thing uh, and we played a game called Visitor in Blackwood Grove uh, which is a game that I got on Kickstarter which is about 
a spaceship crashing into the woods, a bit like E.T. There's a kid on his bike who's the only one watching, and federal agents are trying to hunt down the signal, but no one can get near the craft due to its crushing force field. And the the game is basically the kid trying to communicate with whoever the player is that's the alien via a series of symbols and pictures before the agents can get to the visitor and keep the ship. Uh, and it was an unusual game because you're, you're trying to work out what the code is to get through the force field. Did you enjoy it, I, you guys? I really, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a really in, interesting uh, concept for a game. And you're right, it's quite hard to get. Um, it, I don't think it helped because this is we played this quite a while ago now when the when pubs and places were still open. I think you'd had maybe th- three points, maybe three points. <laughs> yeah, you were trying to explain it to us. Yeah, it's and not, it was like you, you'll get idea. it, you'll get it, you'll get it when 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 uh, when when uh, when uh, hang on a minute. But we we got it quite soon actually after the after the start. And like you say, it's hard. To, it's like it's hard to explain now to people. But it was a very, very good experience, I thought. Yeah, I really liked it's quite cool. It's like um, basically the, the person who's the alien has got the force field and you and you've, you make up a rule. So it might be um, it's got metal in it. And then you get these loads of cards with little pictures. And if, it will go, if it's got metal in it, it goes through the force field. But you're not allowed to say what the words are. So you're trying to explain to other people through pictures and stuff. like. It's a little bit like Dixit, I guess, or Mysterium, two other games that use images. It reminds me a little bit of, um, of Codenames. I've got the Disney version that I play with the kids. And that's the game where you have to give out clues clues but you yeah. can only give out sort of one word clues so that's what and you've got to try and work out uh, on the board how many cards though that clue has in common if it makes sense you're trying to do you're trying to link things together so it's very similar to that actually but you do end up talking um like uh, as if you've ever been away uh, with your parents <laughs> when you're a kid in spain your dad's trying to order in a restaurant <laughs> omelette omelette egg. Egg. egg do you have egg do you have egg here omelette uh, now, one of the best things about sci-fi movies is the the worlds that they create, and the best thing about science fiction is the worlds that people build together and everything. Um, we've been running a thing on our uh, Instagram about the favourite peripheral sci-fi character that everyone has. So, not the main person in a movie, but the the other people around it. So, for example, we don't mean Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. We mean maybe a member of the band that's playing, you know, music in Jabba the Hutt's uh, like Palace or the Cantina Band, something like that. So, what have we had in on the wires from people with for their favourite peripheral sci-fi character? Okay, so we've had one from Bren, the guy who lives in the oil tank in Waterworld. <laughs> I love yes. that guy. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That's I love a, that guy. That's a hell of a film, isn't it, Waterworld? You, uh, <laughs> Jess, need I even ask if you remember Waterworld with Kevin Costner? <sighs> Haven't seen it. No idea what it is. No. We're going to have to have when when this when this when we get to a certain stage in this this run of podcasts, we need to collate this movie night that we're going to need to do with Jess, which is like a maybe like a week long festival of uh, Jess yeah. Tenby movies where we've got to get her to see the essentials. Waterworld's got yeah. to be in there. Yeah, definitely. Now, I think actually Star Wars is probably the best franchise for peripheral characters. There's so many good peripheral characters in Star Wars. What's your favourite peripheral Star Wars character, Andy? Uh, do you know what I really love? Only because my friends used to horribly say that I look like him, just to wind me up. And that's Bib Fortuna, uh, Jabba's kind of assistant <laughs> with a pasty Aww. face. He's he's did, yeah, he's like, he's, like, he's like Jabba's secretary. He is. Um, Jabba, he had... he got, a ten, he got a 10 o'clock today with, uh, with Han Solo. Uh, he, he's, he's like his PA. He'll, he'll nip across the road and get Jabba a sandwich if he's got a load of meetings at lunchtime or something. I, lo- I love him. Bib Fortuna. Who's yours? Um, I love um, uh, uh, Nasty Nick. Who? In Star Wars, Nasty Nick. Off, take off of Nasty off Nick was one of the uh, uh, X-wing fighters in uh, X-wing fighter pilots in I think it's Return of the Jedi. 
No, hold on a minute. No, 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 no. Nasty Nick was the villain in Big Brother. In Popeye, no, um, and he was a judge not, on Popeye. Not, no, that, that's the second. That's the second Nasty Nick. You're thinking of Nasty Nick. The first ever Nasty Nick was Nasty Nick from EastEnders. Oh, it's a good point. Okay, so there's yeah. a line. There's a Do- lineage of Nasty Nicks. Yeah, Doc How Cotton. many Nasty Nicks is there? So there's, there's Nasty t- Nick from Big Brother. Yeah. Yep. There's Nasty Nick from EastEnders, and there's wasn't there Nasty Nick from Popeye? At least you're, Popeye. You're thinking of Nasty Nigel. Oh, oh, there must be a few nasty Nigels as well. <laughs> Two nasty Nicks. Yeah, so whenever, nasty I was, Nicks. whenever I was a kid and I think Return of the Jedi was on, on the telly, I'd go, "That's nasty. what's Nasty Nick doing in Star Wars? I don't understand that. You're going to have to clarify for me, though. So Nasty Nick is in who, though? I don't get it. Nasty Nick, Doc Cotton's son. Yeah. The actor. He was no. called John... No. What are you talking about? Yeah, he Nick, is. That's Nasty Nick. Nick Cotton from EastEnders Nick, is Nick in Cotton. Return of the Jedi. Yes. No, he's not. <laughs> Well, maybe you can um, settle the debate for us if you're listening at home. Is Nasty Nick, Doc Cotton's son from EastEnders, an X-Wing pilot at Board Game Thing? Uh, I would say one of my favourite sci-fi movies of all time uh, is Alien, which is a a cracking movie. And uh, Brian and I have been kind of nerdily playing the board game version of that this week uh, with with, with some other friends, Jess. Not in a bad way, just our, our... Oh, so you play board games with other people? We just didn't think you'd be into the whole sci-fi thing, so we, we were playing it on... Oh, I see how it is. Right. Next time. You made this clear, this is, this is an open do? board game relationship. This is an open board game relationship. Well done. You did negotiate those terms when we went into this. We're going to need to have a look at this contract. Things man. change. I'm going to make my own board game gang, oh. and we're going to play board games, and I'm going to post on Instagram how great it Imagine is. Imagine that. Imagine if Jess started her own splinter group called the Continuity Board Game Thing. Yeah, and we're going to play only cool games. All right. Uh, we're, well, the, we're, we're the, the people's front of games. Uh, board yeah. games. Yeah, exactly. The real, we're going to be called the real board game thing. Uh, uh, yeah, or maybe I'll be like, we'll end up with, you know, like um, bands end up having an argument and you're not allowed to be called, you're not allowed to just call the band the name that anymore. So it has to be like Jeff Lynn's ELO. It'll be like uh, Brian and Andy's <laughs> think, board game thing. Uh, Bucks Fizz are another one of those. I think there's about four different incarnations of Bucks Fizz. <laughs> well, look, we were playing this game called Nemesis, which is uh, made by a company called Awaken Realms, which is, it's essentially Alien the movie, but in board game format. We played it on a thing called Tabletop Simulator. So, you know, we played Board Game Arena online. And then this, this is kind of a note to people who are trapped at home and wondering how they're going to play you know, their regular games night with their friends. Uh, if Games Arena is something you play off your browser, it's like the basic, the entry level. Tabletop Simulator kind of takes it to the next level where you've actually got 3D board game pieces and you can move them around. It takes a bit of getting used to. Uh, Brian's laptop is from, uh, I think, 1991, so uh, we always have a bit of problem getting online. It took nearly oh, 20 minutes for all of the assets of the actual board game to load up on Brian's uh, laptop, which is one of the most interesting parts of playing a science fiction game online. And then and then on top of that, I've only got 45 minutes to play, otherwise it gets too hot, the fan just overheats. <laughs> I, I, like, I do like Tabletop Simulator, but it always makes me just want to play board games properly. Yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things where it's a bit like a board game methadone. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not quite yeah. the real thing because it's, it, it's too fiddly and you can't really look at it all the time. You have to zoom in and zoom out. But it, look, it's a good um, substitute while we're in lockdown. Well, there's another game that's really famous in this genre called Twilight Imperium. And this is like the 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 ultimate, the, the biggest of all the science fiction games. Is that the uh, fifth Twilight film? <laughs> it does sound like it. No, this is about Space War. It's an epic empire-building game of interstellar conflict. It's a gigantic box with hundreds of different pieces in it, little plastic ships and everything like that as well. And this is not a game you can turn up and play a couple of hours on a games night with. This is an all-day 
an all-day event. So my two good friends, Adam and Phil, play this quite a bit. I I didn't get to the last one they did, but uh, they played the about three or four weeks ago, and it lasted eight hours. Do you think you could play an eight-hour board game, Jess? Would you be up for an eight-hour game? Oh, yeah, 100%. I could definitely do that, as long as I had provisions laid around the board game. You know, some snacks, some water. Maybe I can pop outside, have a little vape. Okay. I, I I could easily do something like that for eight and what, hours. Um, in all the different classic tropes that you get in in uh, in science fiction, there's always like a there's always a, a peace loving alien race that don't want any trouble. There's always the warmongers and stuff like that. What would your what would your faction be in Twilight Imperium? Let's start with you, Jess. First, what would it? What kind of what vibe oh, would they mine be? Would, mine would be the peace and love aliens. Any, any kind of name, futuristic war. name you could come up with for them? The um, the Temberorians, because your surname's Tembi. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I also I don't really like violence, and I don't like people being mean to each other in films. I have very limited film taste. I don't like meanness unless it's easily resolved. So yeah, I'd be the peace-loving aliens or whatever. I like that. So you guys are kind of like all friendly in that. Brian, what would your um, yeah. faction be in Twilight Imperium? Always scavengers, bottom feeders. That's what I am. <laughs> just off the leavings of other ancient yeah. galactic civilizations. Okay, what? Well, so you just yeah. like. Like processor, would you would you be looked at as like part of the ecosystem? Because if it wasn't for you lot, even though you're disgusting to look at, you wouldn't get methane in the air and you wouldn't be able to breathe and everything. And stuff. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The equivalent of um, algae. This time to pivot and go to Brian's amazing board game fact of the week. Brian's board game fact of the week. Okay, so we are in a sci-fi episode, right? Yes. So I've got today. Uh, some facts about Monopoly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, oh the reason God, the reason why the day we are recording this, we're recording this uh, on Thursday, the nineteenth of November. Yeah. It's National Play Monopoly Day. Oh. Okay. So, do we like Monopoly? By the way, guys, are we Monopoly fans? Absolutely love Monopoly and all of the other little Monopoly games, Monopoly Deal, Monopoly Go, whatever they are. I'm in, 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 in. I'm not a big fan. I like I like the stealing one that we looked at. Do you remember in a few a few episodes back where you had handcuffs and that? But it was just a bit. It was a bit. Um, it's a bit more spicy. I don't think I've ever ever completed a game of Monopoly. It just goes on too long and it's just too. I don't know. It's just. Ugh. But I've got some facts for you. Uh, we all know the the guy. He's called Mister Monopoly, right? Everyone knows that. Yeah. What? Is that his the name? Guy, what? The guy with the, that's his the, name. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. called Mr. He's, Monopoly. He's, he's been called. He's been called Mr. Moneybag sometimes, but I think that's just that was. You know, when you like go to university, and you think I don't like my name, I'm going to give myself a new name. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be cool. Just call me Jake. Yeah, that's I think what he did with Mr. Moneybags. He is he? Tried um, is he related name. anyway to like uh, Mr. Chips from Catchphrase? There's a lot of Misters. Oh yeah. Are we any other famous Misters? No, no, I don't. Uh, Mr. Tato, I believe, the Irish Crisps. Okay, yeah. Maybe yeah. they all know each other. I don't know. Maybe they're on LinkedIn together. Everyone knows that's that's his uh, his name. But do you know the other names, the other two characters in uh, Monopoly? There's another two characters. I didn't know that, yeah. yeah. There's two other people that appear on the Monopoly board. There's a duck. There's an animal. No, it's not a duck or an animal, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what she's been playing. <laughs> yeah, where is the duck? Where's the duck in Monopoly? Where well, is to, it? to be fair, there's probably duck, there's there's a Monopoly theme for everything. So there's probably duck Monopoly. But in in the straight up vanilla box of um of Monopoly, where's the duck? I'm not That's talking. I'm not talking about the board game pieces, Jess. I'm talking about the squares on the board. There's another character. There's two. Waterworks. There's two. There's, there's uh, I'll tell you who they are. Oh, the Jailman. Yeah, there's, but he's called Jake. Jake the Jailbird. Jake the yeah. Jailbird. 
And the officer, the policeman, is called Officer Edward Malloy. Oh, he's got a whole backstory. It's almost like a spin-off yeah. TV series or something. I, th- I believe he's. Mm. I believe he's divorced. Uh, he enjoys fly fishing. Um, he's, he's, he's been hurt a couple of times in relationships, yeah, and I think he's, yeah, he's yeah. a little bit concerned about opening up again. But I, I wish him all the best. Has the bank ever run out of money in Monopoly when you've been playing? Oh, I think so. Yeah. And what do you do? What do you do? Um. I can't remember. Well, this is what you do because no one ever, I, I, I suspect no one gets this far. Um, if you run out of uh, cash and monopoly from the bank, uh, you're allowed to print more. You're allowed to write out some more, some more notes. Well, make your no, own money. No one, make your yeah, own Yeah, you're cash. allowed to make your own money. You're allowed to do quantitative easing on, in the game of monopoly. Well, that is amazing, isn't it? So you, well, you could literally, you've got a license to print money right there. You were talking about um, uh, board games, how long they lasted. Uh, Earlier on in the podcast, Andy, uh-huh. the longest game of a board game ever was Monopoly. 70 straight days. 70 days. <laughs> Can you imagine playing Monopoly for 70 days? These people need to get alive. That's Brian's board game fact for this week. Another belter. Um, Jess, just very quickly, before we get to some other games that uh, people can get their hands on in the world of science fiction, we were just talking before we started recording about um, Christmas and birthdays and stuff like that. Uh, it's your birthday soon, is that right? My birthday would have been by the time this podcast comes out. 42. Can you believe it? 42 42. years of age. Well done. Brian, I swear to God. I swear to God, shut up. You don't look it. You look about 40. So you don't look it. There's loads of Star Wars games out there. Have a little look on the Zatu website. Star Wars X-Wing, that's one thing. Star Wars Imperial Assault. Actually, if you play featuring, Star Wars... Featuring uh, Nasty Nick. <laughs> Nasty Nick. You get a little character of him. And these are actual plastic like figures that you put on the table. So I think people do channel that. Uh, from. I used to love Star Wars figures when I was a kid, so this is like a, a toy version of that. Uh, Star Wars Rebellions are a really good board game as well. Massive, huge, all day over board game, but one person's the Empire and the other person's the Rebellion, and the Rebellion's trying to move its base and keep it secret, and the Empire's trying to track you down around the galaxy. And then the slightly unfortunately named, this is the most um, recent Star Wars game to kind of come out, it's called Outer Rim, which I just oh, think is like a... I, they knew maybe it converts a bit better in different cultures who knows but uh, maybe in America that seems fine but I always think oh yeah uh, other games Terraforming Mars sounds on the surface quite boring that you're I don't know trying to change the uh, mining on the surface of Mars but a hugely popular game with a brilliant solo mode we talked about solo board gaming last week mm. Terraforming Mars is another one worth a try Time Stories which is this modular game each uh, every couple of months they release a new story to go with it it's like a science fiction uh, dystopian future things. A little bit like uh, every different episode that you can buy for the game is like a Black Mirror episode, so you can uh, change it up and you're working on the same team. And finally, the other one to, uh, to recommend is The Captain is Dead that uh, Brian and I played about two or three years ago on a kind of uh, a games night where you were all working together because the captain of... It's based on kind of Star Trek. The captain slumped over in his seat. He's dead. There's a big invasion of aliens. And you, the rest of the crew, have got a kind of... Uh, calamitously work together to save the situation, haven't you? And to be to be fair, I don't think enough um, enough blame is put on the captain for leaving us in that situation. You know, yeah. he's responsible for the crew, and he's just dead. That's he's the just start gone. of the game. Maybe he's tried to uh, have uh, his kebab beam to him via the tech that Brian was talking about <laughs> earlier on. It's just knocked him clean out, something like that. But check out all of those games right now. There's a load of brilliant stuff around at the moment. If you can get your friends to play science fiction games, and hopefully, maybe get them to listen to this, we can win them over. One other thing we've been asking you on the board game thing Instagram over the past few days is uh, obviously you love science fiction games and science fiction movies, but sometimes there's things in science fiction itself that winds you up a little bit. And uh, tell us about your sci-fi bugbears. So have we had anyone come back with stuff about that, you guys? 
We've had one from Matthew Lambert, and he says, pearly white perfect teeth in a post-apocalyptic world. I mean, that is completely true. You're not going to have to brush your teeth. They're going to be falling out, staying. So see, he's got a problem with stink. Mad Max, the world of Mad Max, and everyone driving around with like dust and stuff like that. They've still got perfect teeth, and that, and that puts yeah. him off sci-fi, does it? Yeah, because your teeth would be the first to go. Um, also, um, Casey says, instantaneous audio and video communication between light years of space with no signal delay. Star Trek is probably the worst for that. Absolutely. I mean, there is not a chance in hell that would happen. I mean, I've got really good broadband and I have problems with my internet and that's like why my laptop's near the router. So, that's a good point. I feel, I feel like Zoom, Zoom video chats like this have, have made us call into question the straight on the main screen on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. Do you know what I mean? It's like, where's the latency? Yeah. Is someone on mute at the beginning? Why not? Anything else that winds people up? Bugbears about science fiction? Right, number one, uh, no denim in space. What do you mean? What you you're, you're annoyed so, that there's no denim? Every space. every single every single uh, science fiction thing you see, whether it, even if it's set like just ten years in the future or a thousand years in the future, there's no denim. And I don't think at any point in the future people are going to go. Do you know what? Denim's not that that comfortable. We don't need denim. denim anymore. We, we've grown out of denim. There will always be denim, so they should they should represent it in future sci-fi TV programs and films. Okay. You're in right. what format? And right. how would you like that to to be manifest then? Like what? So, uh, just like a, a, a Darth just, Vader with a, a denim waist waistcoat or just, jeans yeah, on. just a, just a character in in a uh, science fiction film where they're having a bit of off time and they're just they're in jeans. So they're Spock in, in jeans, you, you'd be happy Spock with Spock in jeans. In a pair I want to see jeans. Spock in jeans with like Daffy Duck patches on his knees. Uh, and secondly, is is the anthropomorphization of all alien races. Look at Jess's face. Look at Jess's face. Just just hear me out here. I'm going going on a journey. I want you to come with me. Okay. So uh, it's inconceivable that you would would go, you travel three million light years away, and there's a planet where fish have become sort of the sentient race, the dominant species, but they've also got the body of a human. They've just got like a fish head. That just wouldn't happen. (laughs) Every single alien, they try and make them all like, oh, yeah, they've got things coming out of there. They're all just basically humans with something on their head. That wouldn't happen. (laughs) I've got... That's one of my main problems with Star Trek, actually, really, is that alien race, don't worry about doing, like, special effects for the body. Just give them a strange forehead. Stick a bit of plasticine on the forehead. Alien race. (laughs) Uh, Steve Catherall says, in Flash Gordon, when Ming asks what the planet is, and his metal-faced bestie says that the inhabitants call it Earth, then he pushes some natural natural disaster buttons, and one of them says Earthquake. <laughs> so it may, like he's just said, what's that planet called? And then he has a button called Earthquake. It's true. So he knew anyway. Doesn't make sense. Oh, Doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve goes on to say, that said, it remains a seminal piece and should be on the national curriculum. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Craig says, uh, why are the aliens nearly always portrayed as the sinister bad guys? Wouldn't mind betting some of them are actually top lads. Yeah, it'd be good if they turned up and they were just all right, just like a nice bunch. You know what I mean? Maybe the the, uh, the Temborians from earlier on, Jess's uh, friendly race of aliens, just completely integrate in yeah. and they're just a really good laugh. Oh, we'd be sound. I think you'd be all right, you lot. There, there is a theory, isn't it, that if you're travelling millions of miles across space, you wouldn't go just for a fight, would you? Imagine just travelling all that way just to have a big old dust-up. Everyone just and sat on, in the ship. You know that bit where they, they've got a club, but they're hitting their hand with it, just waiting? <laughs> and then finally, uh, Casey says, Star Wars is biggest sin after sound in space. That's a good point, because spaceships don't yeah. make sound in space, so they, they make a lot of screeching. Oh, uh, is pl- planets with a single biome, like a desert planet, a snow planet, a jungle planet, an urban planet. It's true. 
What's wrong with a single yeah. biome? Well, because it wouldn't happen in real life. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have a desert planet because then nothing could live on it because there's no water. In the no, same but Tatooine, way, Tatooine from Star Wars is a desert planet. So yeah, it's but it's not, it's not real, is it? Well, it is because <laughs> it happened in the planet. past. Happened in the past. But who would, like, and then why would they go there? Why would they go to Tatooine? It's like, Leo, let's go to Tatooine. It's like a, it's a desert planet. You can't it's choose where you're born, mate. You can't choose where you grow up on the main streets of Tatooine. Do you know what I mean? Well, let's wrap things up uh, by uh, very quickly controlling Jess's life through the power of a six-sided dice. I think each week we enrich Jess's life that little bit. We've dealt with some quite big situations so far. Uh, a lot of people were, were very concerned by the um, fire Brian was encouraging Jess to simulate on last week's episode. Hope for a bit more plain sailing this week. Jess, what is your life dilemma that we can deal with? Okay, so as previously mentioned, um, it's my birthday on the 24th Stop of November. Stop going on about it. Stop oh, going on about it. But obviously, this will be going out on the 25th. Um, but it would be, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do for my birthday. So I'm off work. Um, my housemate um, is also off work. But we're in lockdown. And what I don't want to do is to sit around this house because I've been doing that for the past two and a half weeks or however long we've been in lockdown. So some suggestions would be appreciated. Wow, so this is like one of those party dice decider games, whether it's like drink, get off with each other, mm. watch a movie. <laughs> Please roll, get off with each other. Uh, Brian, what are we going to go for in terms of the, the, the dice here? So, as ever, one to two is the conservative option, three to four is the middle ground, five is getting a bit getting a bit dicey now, pardon the pun, and yep. six is the nuclear option. Okay then, so here are the options then. One to two, I think you can't go wrong. This is, this is a bog standard uh, thing you can do. Just go into the park and do a bit of day drinking. Drinking White lightning, the okay. cider, yeah. uh, bottle, big bottle of 1.5 litre Lambrusco. What do you reckon? Is that a good the, option? Yeah. Those okay, drinks you would have yeah. given, asked uh, a stranger to buy you in an offie back when you were like 15. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bottle of Lambrini. Oh, yes. uh, uh, three to four, uh, absolutely nothing because you'll be 29. So you shouldn't celebrate birthdays after you're 12. Oh. So just gr- basically just grow up, grow up and become an adult. Maybe just do some, maybe oh. do your tax return or something or just do something that's a bit more useful. Okay. Already done it, mate. Three to four. Already done my tax return. Five, yeah. five is we're getting a bit more uh, complex now. What's what's a classic thing to do on your birthday? Um, go for a meal. Go for a meal or go to the cinema. Yeah, quite so we, we could recreate a cinema experience in your front room. You could um, you could uh, just buy a load of uh, uh, penny sweets, buy a load of pick and mix, but then get like give the cashier like. Forty-five pounds just to recreate that experience. <laughs> um, just chuck chuck a load of like uh, popcorn onto the floor and just just grind it in, and then get your house get your housemate to just co- constantly play on his phone and talk talk to his friends on the phone while you're trying to watch a film. Yeah, like if that? possible, get him to wear quite a noisy coat as well and constantly fidget. That'd be good. That's just the cinema experience. Yeah. Or sit in front, yeah, like sit in front of you with a big hat on, right? There you go. Because I think we all we all missed the cinema in lockdown, so that's good. And then number six, yeah. the nuclear option, right? Do, do uh, what Andy and me like to call a party window. Party window. Right? So what you do is you sit in your front room, you set up a table and chairs, a little some a little light show, streamers, uh, Jess's twenty nine little banner up there, and you invite people as they walk by on the street to join your party. Leave some drinks out in the front for them. Yeah, to get to meet new people. So we'll be so and I could snacks. have a socially distant, a socially distant party. So we've got a little wall at the front. There so maybe go. they can just stand over the other side yep. of the wall, and there'll be enough distance between yep. us. Oh, what? And just meet, um, just meet people from the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. Leave like small. This is very important because you have to recreate the birthday experience properly. Little tiny plastic bowls full of hula hoops, party rings, yeah. uh, ice gems. 
palmer violets or, and then give um, them a little party give them a little party bag as well with uh, a with a with a, uh, a really unsafe toy from china create a little um yeah. little pub vibe as well see if you can get one of them walls you can get like a cardboard line of kp nuts that every time you pull one off there's a there's a picture of sam yeah, fox behind yeah. it so linda lasardi give it that pub vibe <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm kind of into that. Not not really happy with sharing my birthday party in inverted commas with strangers. So right, you have a crown by the end of it. Socially yeah, I'm, I'm hoping not. I'm I'm going to hope it's not a six. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't fancy doing that. Here we go. Let's mind. do the roll let's, of the dice. Let's roll. Here we go. Let's roll. It's a five. You've got to recreate a cinema experience in your in your front room. Ah, oh, do you know what I? I I'm actually quite happy about that. This what is the question. What, let's, can we put that out there then on, on Instagram? Because I think one thing that comes up every week, no offence, Jess, is that there's, there's quite a few gaps in your, your uh, movie-watching history. So if there's a yeah. film, maybe it's sci-fi for this week, who knows, if you have a movie oh, suggestion really? for Jess's birthday um, movie night with her uh, housemate, Adem, tell us about it now. Uh, on the Instagram at Board Game Thing. Uh, thank you as ever for your company this week and every week. Keep those messages coming in at Board Game Thing to get involved. Uh, all the games we talked about you can get on Zatu's website and cheers for Zatu uh, for their support with all this as well. A big thank you for producer Ross who has to sit there and listen to a lot of this tut. Uh, and Brian and Jess, thank you very much and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.